Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of The History Sisters. My name is Katie. I'm Sophie. And we're a sister duo from Germany. In this podcast, we take a look at well-known yet unknown speeches, their presenters, and their historical context. And today, it's my turn. I'm going to present to you guys um, a speech by Patrick Henry. Give me liberty or give me death. I hope you guys enjoy it, and let's get right into it. Hello guys, it's Katie here for your weekly disclaimer. Please keep in mind, as always, this is all just our opinion. If you have a different opinion or if you feel like we somehow infringed or hurt you, this is really not what we want to do. Please, please tell us either via our Instagram, which is at History Sisters Pod, or via email, which is the History Sisters Pod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Also, if you just want to tell us what your favorite part of this episode was. One thing for this episode, I say somewhere in this episode that Patrick Henry signed the Declaration of Independence. That is not true. He did not sign it. However, he was still a very important figure during that time and still can be considered one of the forgotten founding fathers. Other than that, I don't think there's much more to say. So... Enjoy this episode and let's get right into it. Henry held... Before I tell you a little bit more about Patrick Henry and the speech itself, I like wanted to give a general historical context. So we're in the year 1775. So we're one year before the Declaration of Independence. And we are in the American colonies, obviously. Um, okay, so a few months earlier to the speech, um, delegates from American colonies held the first Continental Congress um, and sent the Britain's king a petition for redress of grievances, so for uh, um, taking back some of the Britain the Stamp Act and stuff. Exactly. That led to a mass boycott of British goods, as well as a British blockade of Boston Harbor as a punishment for the Boston Tea Party that took place um, two years earlier, in 1773. Um, and amid these tensions, uh, the Second Virginia Convention took place to discuss the Old Dominion strategy in negotiating with the Crown. And this um, convention was built up from 120 delegates, the who's who of the Virginian colonial leaders. Um, for example, George Washington, jo Thomas Jefferson, as well as Patrick Henry. The speeches before this one, in which he called for colonial solidarity. One of his, one of the speeches being very known for the phrase, I'm not a Virginian, I'm an American, which he was kind of one of the first people to actually do. Uh, it was not that common that col the colonies should work together. So could you say that he's like one of like the forgotten founding fathers? Exactly. Okay. Um, I'm going to come to that when I talk Sorry. about his legacy, but yeah, you could definitely say that. Um, so less than a month after this speech, um, skirmishes between the British, British troops and people who are, were from the colonies um, resulted in the first casualties of the Revolutionary War. All in all, you can say that the emerging, emerging independence movement in the United States or the colonies um, took place at that time because it was one year before the Declaration of the Independence. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I have to say which date I think everyone knows, July the 4th. Um, okay, so before we come to the speech itself, let me tell you a little bit about Patrick Henry, who in my opinion is a very interesting figure. 
So Patrick Henry was born on May 29th in 1736 and died on June 6th in 1799 because of stomach cancer. He is or was an American attorney, a planter, a politician, and an orator, best known for his speech, give me liberty or give me death, which we're going to talk about today. He's considered a founding father of the US, even though he only ever held one national office, which was his two years in the Continental Congress. Um, still, he was one of the people who signed the Declaration of Independence. Um, he served as the fir first and sixth post-colonial governor of Virginia from 1776 um, to 1779. So three years and then another two years from 1784 to 1786. Um, he was born in Hanover County in Virginia as a son of an immigrant who came from Scotland and a former widow of a prominent local family with English ancestry. Throughout his life, religion was a very important factor that played a key part in his development, resulting in his fight for religious freedom and religious liberty um, and Christian unity which also he was one of the first people to really do in the, the American colonies that he he said it doesn't really matter whether you're this type of Christian, this type of Christian, we need to like stand together in this one and um, his father was Anglican and he also was that his whole entire life but he um, was influenced by a lot of other Baptists and like he was home educated for most parts of his life by his father and is therefore today an icon for the homeschooling movement um, as well as he is a prominent figure amongst conservative Christians because priests and got his like way of thinking about speaking um, from these priests and learn from them that when you speak it has to go to the listener's heart and you have to talk in words that the listeners understand. I also found very interesting that Henry was a lawyer but a self-studied lawyer. He never attended college or um, high school or anything like that and he was quite successful. Um, he got very known for something the, called the Parsons cause or something. I really researched it and I could not understand it for like I really I, I spent 30 minutes researching and I could not understand it <laughs> so if any one of you um, wants to explain it to me that would be very nice <laughs> um, no I it was something about um, economy and prices and he defended people that were supposed to be defended but he was against like clergy and like kings and stuff and so he was he took a win out of um, this thing even though it was very un like it was very unlikely that he would have so he got very very um, prominent from that and like very much fame and people noticed him for the first time for his very good ability to speak so patrick henry was a slave owner his entire life um in fact he had 67 slaves when he like at the time of his death because he had a bunch of different mansions and lands so they all had to be occupied but he was pro-slavery <laughs> abolition he never really had any like concrete plans how to do it though um he was just like he thought if they ended slavery importation, it would like things would go back to normal or things would go better and end this slavery thing. Um, he didn't really think that quite through because he depended on slaves, but 
he was also he saw that it was not right to take these rights away from these people and treat them as objects but he didn't really think about what it was result for himself and even though they managed to end slavery importation that didn't really change anything because then the um, kids of the slaves that were already in America got traded with on yeah. a very very cruel base yeah like in his time like in the beginning where it wasn't so much about ending slavery altogether there was this movement and maybe he was i don't know a proponent of that like ending as you said the importation of slaves because there were many people arguing that it's not right to just rip them out of their environment mm -hmm. but they didn't necessarily believe that blacks should have equal rights they just said that it wasn't right for people to be imported from a different country so they weren't against slavery they were more against you know bringing new people into the country but they were like we have enough blacks and they're just gonna have children and then we have enough slaves yeah i think that he was definitely part of that movement but he also was very shocked by the way that children got like traded with okay. so he wasn't completely obviously he wasn't completely against slavery otherwise he wouldn't have had slaves himself mm. but um he was definitely more on the really pro slavery abolition yeah. side so coming now to his like legacy, a lot of Amer Americans admire him, especially his brilliance of political oratory, um, which he is very much known for. He isn't really that known for any other political movement or any other political doing. Yeah, he was kind of inactive and yet still like, prominent because when he was active, he like held speeches that were so engraving in brains that. Um, people like 200 years later could still like kind of tell you what their grandfathers told them it would be almost exactly what probably had happened. Um, during the Civil War both sides claimed Henry as an important role model for a very different reason. Um, he's a very controversial person though first because of his opposition to the Constitution. Um, this is considered a blot in his otherwise admirable career for most parts from the extreme points of the politics this is where he right now finds most liking or most fame and the extreme right especially. Um, second, because he never really cared about writing anything down, which is a very big handicap when being evaluated by history. Um, because of that it was very easy for negative assessments, whether justified or not, to affect the historical representation of Henry. So he never wrote any of his speeches down, like ever. The speech that we are going to listen to in a second was never written down by him it was never written down by anyone but people in the 1800s started to care about what he said so um they started to research a lot so just quick life advice just write everything down in case you become relevant for history <laughs> one of these people that very heavily influenced um, the historical view on Henry was um, Thomas Jefferson, who was actually a former friend of him. They met when Henry was around 11 and Jefferson was like 17, but um, soon became enemies because they were like competing with each other. They were, were like rivals, not well, enemies. Yeah, okay, you could say enemies is a little bit exaggerated, but they really like... Jefferson really said things about him that weren't true at all just to make oh. himself look better oh. But it like went in the other direction as well. Henry wasn't nice to Jefferson either. They like barely even looked at each other kind of so it was really It went from a great friendship to 
a very not great relation which you can is like kind of the first evidences for fame destroys relationships so they had to um, compete with each other in the political field and therefore weren't friends at all anymore Um, in his later years he came back to his law practices mostly because he was in debt coming out of his political career um, because he was kind of too um, self-assured and like too cocky (laughs) and bought a lot of um, lands that he couldn't actually afford and he took them away from indigenous people a lot. He was um, admitted to practice before the General Court of Virginia which is way more uh, prestigious venue than where it was before which um, earned him a lot of money and he therefore could cancel clients or could like say no I won't be defending you if he would have had to travel longer because he was already kind of old and didn't want to put risk in that. Plus he had a family that he loved. He got married twice because his first wife died, um, like I think 10 years after they got married. And then in his second marriage, he was very happy and he didn't want to spend that much time away from his family. During his political career, he was most known for his fluorescent fluorescent speeches against the British Parliament and in favor of colonial unity. As I already said, that's kind of like a wrap-up of his person. So yeah, he's a very controversial person and he did actually didn't do much things, but the things he did were very attention bringing. Okay, then the speech that we are talking about today, give me liberty or give me death. Just a little bit like a content conclusion. Um, Henry was convinced that war was around the corner and wanted to persuade his follow uh, his fellow delegates to adopt a defensive stance against Great Britain and build up a militia. Um, and a lot of members of the Congress didn't like that idea since they were still hoping on a peaceful reconciliation with Great Britain. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, because... Um, because Great Britain is so well known to resolve conflicts peacefully at that time. Especially in his colonies, <laughs> like, that's what they always did. Um, yeah, it is also important to note that Henry spoke without notes and no transcripts of his exact words have survived to today. Um, the only known version was reconstructed in the early 1800s, as I already said, by William Wirt, a biographer, in correspondence with several men that attended the convention. So it was very hard for him to find people that attended the convention, because the people that did either forgot or were already dead. Um, but he found people and... Uh, it's so funny what these people told him. Um, so. A few people told him, and therefore you can consider it that this actually happened because a few people told him um, independently, that during the famous closing line, but as for me, give me liberty, Henry bursts from his imaginary chains and grasped a letter opener. And when he kept on talking or give me death, he plunged the letter opener towards his chest, mimicking a knife uh, blow to the heart. So he kind of acted out his entire speech, which oh is God. so funny. Um, and therefore, the consequences or results or outco- outcomes of the speech was that the delegates seemed at a loss of words and harsh silence descended in the room. Like, no one knew what to do. They were all just sitting there looking at him and he just had this overdramatically overacted speech and he put so many emotions in his speech and everyone was just like, okay, wow. And people were very, very moved. One man was so moved that he demanded to be buried in the spot he stood while listening to the speech. Oh my god! 
and his wish got granted by his wife when he dead died. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, the speech is also um, said to tips to have tipped the scales in favor of defensive action. Um, and the resolution for that passed by only a few votes, since a lot of people were still against it. But Henry's speech like moved so many people that he was that like they kind of were with him on yeah. that now. Um, Henry was appointed the head of a new committee that uh, charged with reodying the Virginia militia for combat. Mm. I totally forgot to write that down in the beginning, but the speech was held on March twenty third. 1775 at St. John's Church in Richmond, Virginia. So, um, now that you heard a little bit of the background, I hope you guys enjoyed the speech. It's not that long, but I think it's quite um, expressive. Like, I really enjoyed recording it, and I think hope I did a good job. Um, so, uh, let's see, or let's hear it. Let's go! No man thinks more highly than I do of the patriotism, as well as abilities of the very worthy gentlemen who have just addressed the house. But different men often see the same subject in different lights, and therefore I hope it will not be thought of disrespectful to those gentlemen if entertaining as I do opinions of a character very opposite to theirs. I shall speak forth my sentiments freely and without reserve. This is no time for ceremony. The question before the house is one of awful moments to this country. For my own part, I consider it as nothing less than a question of freedom or slavery. And the proportion to the magnitude of the subject ought to be the freedom of the debate. It is only in this way that we can hope to arrive at truth and fulfill the great responsibility which we hold to God and our country. Should I keep back my opinions at such a time through fear of giving offense? I should consider myself as guilty of treason towards my country, and of an act of disloyalty toward the majesty of heaven, which I revere above all earthly kings. Mr. President, it is natural to man to indulge in the illusions of hope. We are apt to shut our eyes against the painful truth, and listen to the song of that siren till the, she transforms us into beasts. Is this the part of wise men, engaged in a great and arduous struggle for liberty? Are we disposed to be of the number of those who, having eyes, see not, and having ears, hear not, the things which so nearly concern the temporal salvation? For my part, whatever anguish of spirit it may cost, I am willing to know the whole truth, to know the worst, and to provide for it. I have but one lamp by which my feet are guided, and that is the lamp of experience. I know of no way of judging of the future but by the past. And judging by the past, I wish to know what there has been in the conduct of the British ministry for the last ten years to justify those hopes with which gentlemen have been pleased to solace themselves and the house. Is it that insidious smile with, with which our petition has been lately received? Trust it not, sir. It will prove a snare to your feet. Suffer not yourselves to be betrayed with a kiss. Ask yourselves how this gracious reception of our petition comports with those warlike preparations which cover our waters and darken our land. Are fleets and armies necessary to a work of love and reconciliation? Have we shown ourselves so unwilling to be reconciled that force must be called in to win back our love? Let us not deceive ourselves, sir. These are the implements of war and subjugation. The last arguments to which kings resort. 
I ask, gentlemen, sir, what means this martial array, if its purpose be not to force us to submission? Can gentlemen assign any other possible motive for it? Has Great Britain any enemy in this quarter of the world to call for all this accumulation of navies and armies? No, sir, she has none. They are meant for us, they can be meant for no other. They are sent over to bind and rivet upon us those chains which the British, Min British Ministry has been so long forging. And what have we to oppose to them? Shall we try argument? So we have been trying that for the last ten years. Have we anything new to offer upon the subject? Nothing. We have held the subject up in every light of which, is, which it is capable, but it has been all in vain. Shall we resort to entreaty and humble supplication? What terms shall we find which have not been already exhausted? Let us not, I beseech you, sir, deceive ourselves. Sir, we have done everything that could be done to avert the storm which is now coming on. We have petitioned, we have remonstrated, we have supplicated, we have prostrated ourselves before the throne and have implored its interposition to arrest the tyrannical hands of the ministry and parliament. Our petitions have been slighted, our remonstrances have produced additional violence and insult. Our supplications have been disregarded, and we have been spurned with contempt from the foot of the throne. In vain, after these things, may we indulge the fond hope of peace and reconciliation. There is no longer any room for hope, if we wish to be free, if we mean to preserve inviolate those inestimable privileges for which we have been so long contending, if we mean not basely to abandon the noble struggle in which we have been so long engaged and which we have pledged ourselves never to abandon until the glorious object of our contest shall be obtained, we must fight. I repeat it, sir, we must fight. An appeal to arms and to the God of hosts is all that is left us. They tell us, sir, that we are weak, unable to cope with so formidable an adversary. But when shall we be stronger? Will it be the next week or the next year? Will it be when we are totally disarmed and when a British guard shall be stationed in every house? Shall we gather strength by irresolution and inaction? Shall we acquire the means of effectual resistance by lying supinely on our backs and hugging the elusive phantom of hope? until our enemies shall have bound us hand and foot? Sir, we are not weak. If we make a proper use of those means with which the God of nature have placed in our power, the millions of people armed in the holy cause of liberty and in such a country as that which we possesses are invincible by any force which our enemy can send against us. Besides, sir, we shall not fight our battles alone. There is just God who presides over the destinies of nations, and who will raise up friends to fight our battle for us. The battle, sir, is not the strong alone. It is to the vigilant, the active, the brave. Besides, sir, we have no election. If we were based enough to desire it, it is now too late to retire from the contest. There is no retreat but in submission and slavery. Our chains are forged. Their clanking may be hard on the plains of Boston. The war is inevitable, and let it come. I repeat it, sir, let it come. It is in vain, sir, to extenuate the matter. Gentlemen may cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace. The war has actually begun. 
the next gale that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms. Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand we here idle? What is it that gentlemen wish? What would they have? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Thank you for bringing that speech to the table. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. I mean, I didn't, like, I only saw the speech. I didn't know whom it was by or when it was, but with what I know, I kind of placed it in the right historical context, which I thought was quite cool to see that you have enough knowledge to place just a speech into the right time and place. And, I mean, it's always, like impressive to me when there's people who have so much foresight and I mean without him like having this foresight and delivering this really intense speech who knows if there would have been a declaration of independence whether the colonies would have been able to resist the military of of the crown in Great Britain so Yeah, I thought that that was quite impressive that he had this foresight and was so convinced um, and also of him, you know, feeling that he was American and that people living in the colonies and growing up there didn't really have much to do anymore with Great Britain, but that they had their distinct identity and therefore needed their own nation. Mm -hmm. This was like the first time where it was hard for me to limit myself because you can only really judge him by different perspectives on him because he himself didn't really write much down. It is really hard to limit yourself to one or it's not good to limit yourself to one view and I tried to not do that, tried to look at many people's views on him. So that took me quite some time and that was like the first time where I was like, okay, Yeah, you, it's good. You don't need to read more. It's fine. You just stop here. Because I also found him so interesting because he is such a controversial figure. He did things that were incredible and that were so with so much foresight, like you just said. And then there, he did things like taking away land from indige indigenous people just to claim it his own, where I'm like, no, that's just not okay. But he was like, I don't know, it's so fascinating how a person is often painted as completely black or white, as completely good or bad in history, especially when they only have, um, like, when they don't have really written down things of themselves. Um, but he's really such a great person. Like, he did things that were incredible, and he did things that were incredible in the other direction. Like, he mm -hmm. did incredibly good and incredibly bad things. And... I also found it so interesting that aspect of him being an icon for homeschool, the homeschooling movement today. I was like, that is so interesting. I myself was always interested in homeschooling and I would have loved to do that for a part of my life, but in Germany it's not allowed. It's actually illegal. Yeah. Um, therefore, that was really interesting to me and also the way that he's just perceived 
or like looked at as a heroic figure from both sides, right and left wings. And I don't know, I just found him to be a very interesting person. And this speech, I just enjoyed so much reading it. And then when I read that he like acted through it, I, I, I was dead. I laughed so hard. I loved this um, detail. It was very cool. Well, now you get how intriguing ambiguous figures are and how many rabbit holes you can fall into and just lose yourself in. Also, it's interesting how you can, you know, like one figure and then you can pick so many aspects. Like a group might pick that he didn't support the constitution and use him as like a symbol for opposing it today. And then others, a completely different group might pick him as a symbol as you said for homeschooling and others again might see him you know as this very important founding father and the one person who made sure that there was even a military to support the revolutionary war and yeah. you know it's just to me always like interesting what kinds or what aspects of a person's life and legacy people choose to you know, really put on a pedestal. With him, you can really see how a person has so many dimensions to them and how it's always hard not to just pick the one dimension that you agree with and just totally ignore the rest. And that it's always quite important to keep the entire picture in mind mm -hmm. and that no person is good through and through and I think we've seen that in previous episodes as well with so many people and historical figures that are upheld as being you know just like almost holy like Nelson Mandela and then but there's also aspects where he you know contributed to bombings and stuff which weren't all that great and then there's people who have totally fallen from grace that were upheld. Henry as well is, he's just ambiguous and I think most people are. Like people make good decisions and people make bad decisions and that's just human nature, I guess. Definitely, I totally agree with you. Um, I think that the speech that we talked about today could or is obviously counted as his most famous speech and I think that this speech I would probably count to his very good things um especially his clothing line give me liberty or give me death um I have never heard of that speech before I obviously know the historical context because that's something we learn in school um and then I only read like the title I only had the tri title give me liberty or give me death and I was like I agree with that so much. I had never heard of any other of the context of the speech before. I didn't know what the speech was about. But just this give me liberty or give me death is something that I agree with very much. Um, obviously not in that extreme version, but I think that liberty and um, is something, liberty and freedom is something so valuable and that I'm very, very lucky to experience, have experienced my whole life and hopefully will experience my whole life. For the rest of the speech, I love the way that he is speaking and I think that you can really see his talent yeah. of um, words and rhetorical thingies. But um, yeah, I wouldn't agree with probably with his extreme 
um, position on this, but it really turned out to have been something very important because only months later this was needed, what he asked for or what he called for, kind of. I love like accessing history through speeches because it always gives you this like just this window into the mindset of people at that time and sometimes it's really hard to connect because it's so far from where we are at right now um, especially in our situation here in Germany we're quite safe we have a quite stable democracy we're free we have many many opportunities um, and it doesn't really matter whether you're male or female um, which is great which can't be said about all countries in the world and I mean, that was for me one of the motivations why I suggested, you know, making this podcast with you because I think that speeches are undervalued as an access point because they can be quite hard, um, especially when sometimes, you know, when speeches are from way back, there are like more modern transcripts, transcript, but this, I mean, sometimes the language when you read like the more original version of them is like, what are they even talking about? I don't know how these words, but overall, I just always enjoy just kind of getting to put myself into the mind of one person living at a certain point in time. Yeah, definitely. Um, I really enjoy, like you said, just having this as a starting point to go through history. Yeah, re just researching for all of the speeches is always so fun because when you go from this speech and this person, like you probably will get to know everything you need to know about the historical context just by looking at this person's biography or I don't know, in a article about them that is very detailed because the person that you're talking about has obviously interfered or like interacted with everything that is important for the historical context for that person and that person gave the speech. So I think it's very interesting how this is something that is not really often done in schools. Yeah, even though like in my history class we do that quite often, it was very new for me when um, I got into junior year. Um, that we do, did that because beforehand we didn't do that and now we do and I enjoy that so much because it's just opens a very new way of looking at yeah. history. I'm also glad that you brought this speech and this person because um, especially, I mean obviously American history is I would say a rather large part in our, at least in school, in our history teachings but obviously because time is limited and stuff. Um, we only talk about like certain figures and Henry is definitely not one of them. But then when you go a little bit deeper, he's so important to the whole process. And um, maybe due to the fact that he didn't really, like unlike Thomas Jefferson or George Washington became president, um, but he was still like in this, like core group of founding fathers and this core group of men who really you know pushed forward and who were so central to this process not only taking place but also exhilarating it that it you know went on at the time that it did 
And especially when you consider that like a year later they had won their independence fight and that wouldn't have been possible without Henry giving this speech. Sometimes it's just remarkable what kind of people, you know, remain in the focus of studying history and what kind of people are sort of pushed to the margins or even forgotten. And it's not always really like logical or understandable how those processes like how that happens and that is so to me so great that you brought him to the table I mean I've heard of him before but that's mainly due to you know me being really interested in American history and also having you know gone to school in the United States and stuff yeah. um but I didn't really know that much about him and I didn't know that he was this central before signing the in the like declaration of independence that he was the person who made sure that America even got to that point. Yeah. Not only did he not like serve for the government or something, he also denied going for the government because um as we already said he was uh, contra the constitution. And that is like something that you can have your own opinions about, I don't know. But um, he also said that he doesn't want to be under the con a government or working for the government because he doesn't support their values and their morals. And for that reason, he just completely withdraw himself from politics from that moment on. Um, but he really like, he worshipped that they got to that point of even having their own government and he was like okay kind of like my job is done mm. so I'm gonna go back and have my private life which I think is something very unique as well about mm. someone that early on in a political view and I think also a reason why he is so often forgotten mm. he really just like took on his part and after he finished it he just vanished again from yeah. public life kind of which um is not something that happened much around those days and doesn't really happen much around today either. Yeah. Um, yeah, I found that also very, very interesting about him. Yeah, and I think that's a quality that's sometimes missing, you know, being like I have this goal and I achieved my goal and now I'm not gonna grab onto every kind of power that it's offered to me um, just to remain in power. Like I contributed what I wanted to And now I'm gonna, you know, step back and let other people take over and have them contribute their part. Yeah, I think that you can take away something for yourself by that and say, yeah, um, maybe I should only, you know, accept offers where I feel like I am the right person to do it because especially in public services and in politics, it's supposed to be about the greater good and the good of your country. And if you feel like, I don't know, you don't have the right knowledge or the right credentials, or maybe you're just like, well, I'm not, you know, I don't believe in what I'm supposed to do in this position, that it's just keep in mind your fellow citizens and what public service is all about. And just step back yeah and also in your personal life when you're offered something and you feel like oh maybe I'm not the right person then it's often you know you're often just like the better and bigger person when you deny something instead of 
always saying yes to everything, even though you know that you're not the right person for the job. I think that's a good note to end this episode on. I hope you guys enjoyed um, this speech and this person and this forgotten founder, founder um, if you want to call him that. Uh, tell us via Instagram, which is at History Sisters Pod, or via email, um, the History Sisters Pod at gmail.com. Um, how you like this episode, or if you didn't like this episode, and why. Um, yeah, also, if you have any speech requests, or time periods requests, or people requests, just. Or places. Just let us know, and we will dive into that. Yeah, and. You can help us by spreading the word about the podcast, telling your friends and family about it, um, considering giving us a review or a rating on iTunes, um, and also subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts so you always get the newest episodes right into your feed. Mm -hmm. And with that, we'll say goodbye, and we will talk at you in the next episode and with you through your messages to us which we always enjoy and thanks for the journey so far um it's been great fun mm -hmm. and um until next time keep reading keep learning and keep making sure that you're the right person for the task bye